Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm excited to have with me today, Rachel Merrill. She is the author of I Sang Anyway, a stepmom's spiritual memoir of healing, is passionate about human potential, She's a Reiki master, certified holistic life coach, witch, singer, writer, wife, mom, and stepmom. To learn more about working with Rachel, um, and we're going to cover this all in the show notes as well, you can visit her at her website, rachelmerrill.me. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. So glad to be here, Dr. Adriana Popescu. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit with you today about various forms of healing. I know you've had a lot of personal experiences. You've also written a book about your experiences. So we're going to talk about that all with the audience today. But as always, I like to start with your story. What drew you to the work that you do? How did you get to where you are? You know, what, do, what would be good for us to know about you? Yeah. Um, so again, thanks for having me. And um, I unfortunately have, like many people, gone through a significant amount of trauma. So healers, when they go into um, wanting to help others with healing, that means that they had to work through some things for themselves. And so it's not that we want to be better than anyone or show like, Hey, I can do this. And you may not know how to do that. No, it's nothing like that. It's simply that we ourselves have been through some really trying times. And, um, for myself, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota. You can see my virtual background. This is an actual picture that I took on the farm where I grew up. And that picture is in the back of my book uh, called I Sang Anyway. And um, growing up on the farm, it was kind of isolating because it was it's so rural there. Um, for people who have not been to North Dakota, I'll quickly paint a picture that the land is very flat. You can see in the picture, Uh, There are not very many trees. Most of it is prairie. There is a lot of wind and there are more cows than people really. (laughs) Um, So uh, if you ever go to North Dakota, it feels very different from many other places. Um, But anyway, when I was growing up there, I had a wonderful family with the exception that my dad was abusive Uh, physically and verbally. And then my mother did nothing to stop it. So our entire family suffered, but I really took the brunt of it. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, my dad strangled me. And so for anyone who has lived through such a terrible thing as feeling like your parent wants to throw you in the trash then that impacts you for the rest of your life. That's something significant. And anyone who hasn't gone through it, they might not understand. They might be like, oh, just get over it. That's the past. That's not the case. Um, Actually, when you're strangled, there are dark spots that appear on your brain. And you probably know this, but um, I went through some training um, for, um, to help victims of domestic and sexual violence. And so, you actually walk around with physical spots on your brain from the time when your air was restricted. So I, um, after I left my family's house, I continued to make some uh, poor choices because of my low self-esteem. And so that meant that I turned to food for comfort, which I still do sometimes. I mean, that's like a human thing. We want comfort food. And then I I gained a lot of weight. Um, I 
was very overweight for most of, um, you know, since I was probably like in first grade until, um, until maybe like seven years ago. I mean, it, it's uh, been quite the journey, but then it, because of the lowered self-esteem, I made terrible choices in relationships. I felt like I didn't really deserve to have a great relationship that I was lucky to get any person to pay attention to me. And then there's another element that I talk about in my book that I actually only came out as bisexual last year. I just turned 40 last year. And it took me until I turned 40 to feel comfortable sharing that because I grew up in a very religious household. And I know that um, in some um, Christian denominations, the um, LGBTQ community is accepted, but it's not in all uh, Christian or religious communities. So, um, so I talk about that in the book. And then I talk about how in college, I uh, went on to experience a sexual assault and I went through a difficult first marriage. I get into more of the details of that. And uh, so all of these things are happening and th different things are happening. So it gets worse. Um, and I became a Reiki master in 2017. Yes, 2017. Uh, but that all happened. I started going down the path of looking for ways to heal myself because in 2015, I had a friend pass away uh, who was only 36. There was no cause of death. She wasn't sick. We had no idea what happened. Um, and after she passed away, I started to get messages from beyond. It wasn't like I heard anything, but different things happened to let me know that she was there and she was trying to push me in the direction of learning more about spirituality. First thing that happened was that um, one of the kids broke our laptop and I needed a new laptop. So I decided to uh, go online to, at the time I was working, contracted to the state of New Hampshire. We had this thing that sort of like our personal eBay or whatever. It's a place where you can buy things from each other. Went to go buy the laptop. I had to meet the person at his house uh, with his wife and kids outside in the driveway. And when I got there, the house was just down the street from my friend's house. Uh, they said that they were good friends with her. And this was in a... I, um, I had no idea that I would be interacting with this person that was like right next door to her. And then the following week, I went, I felt like I should go to this crystal shop, went to the crystal shop. The owner used to work with my friend and she had been at my friend's funeral. And so I thought these are not coincidences at all. <laughs> uh, especially because they happened so close together. I felt like it was my friend saying, keep going, keep, keep learning about this. So I became a Reiki master and a lot of things in my life started improving. I started taking better care of my health. I went, I, <clears throat> I divorced my first husband and I started um, choosing happiness for myself. I remarried <clears throat> and then, and I, I talk about all this in the book, but then um, you know, 2020 happened, which was difficult for all of us, but it really turned up the heat with the bio mom of my stepkids. So I remarried in 2015. This year, it will be seven years that my husband and I are married. But uh, so she was already difficult to uh, deal with. And my husband wasn't always asserting the boundaries, perhaps the way that he should have. Like we probably should have called the police a couple of times because of her behavior. It was very ramped up. She was abusing my stepkids and I reported that for three years, nothing was done about it. I mean, except for they asked her questions, but they didn't actually do anything about it. And then when I finally made 
uh, one more report about my stepdaughter being left on the side of the road, um, then uh, by her mother, then they were ready to give us full custody. Well, then what happened was that her, uh, her mother really increased her aggressive behavior and ended up strangling my stepdaughter. And I thought that's an interesting parallel that I was strangled and then she was strangled. And on top of that, there was, uh, when you're in a low vibration place like that, where you have been abused or had terrible things happen to you, you're really susceptible to spiritual things happening that are negative too. So you've had this physical thing that's negative happen. Then the spiritual thing, if you're not aware, it can happen to you. And so I actually took my stepdaughter to a sort of exorcism. And I was hoping to read that excerpt from my book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll just read a little bit to kind of teaser so that you can find out some. Um, so this is in the chapter called Fortissimo. Every chapter from I Sang Anyway has a musical title and it's really short. A lot of the chapters are like a page long for people with short attention spans, which is most of us these days. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that chapter, in October, 2020, after Ginger had been home for about a week, I decided I couldn't allow whatever attachment or demon that I believed was causing Ginger to behave so aggressively to live in our home any longer. I felt a personal responsibility as a spiritually awakened being who was aware of this negative attachment or demon living in Ginger. I had seen such a huge change in her that I thought was all due to some other entity within her. When I would attempt to do anything to cleanse our house of negative energy, such as burning sage, Ginger would always quickly leave the room. She was on edge despite her medication and brimming with rage. Looking back, I think that yes, something of a negative spiritual event had occurred and also the trauma from Ginger's mother strangling her had changed her. I had enough of this feeling of needing to sage my house so often, and I decided to go to a local spiritual store that sold crystals and other metaphysical items. The owner had told me that if I brought Ginger with me on that day, a man would be available to perform an exorcism for her. I was nervous and unsure of what to expect, but I felt very strongly that this was the only solution for our household. Ginger, her romantic girlfriend Cadence, and I drove in my red Mazda 3 to the store. After we parked, we put our pandemic masks on and walked up the stairs of the brown building that housed a hair salon and metaph metaphysical store. As soon as we walked through the doors, I felt the energy of the entire building shift. The owner spotted me immediately. A couple of other people who worked at the store looked at us with wide eyes as I introduced Ginger and Cadence, as if they had been talking about us before we came into the store. The owner swallowed deeply, quickly gathered herself to look calm and told me that Jerome would be with us in a few minutes. Jerome is doing a spirit gallery. He should be out in about 10 minutes and he'll let you know when he's ready for you. Thank you, I said. We examined different crystals, pendants, and angel card decks as we waited. My nervous energy was building as my mind flashed to movie scenes I had seen of exorcisms. Was Ginger's body going to convulse? I wondered. I imagined her perching on the ceiling as I had found her perched on our bathroom sink. With my eyes closed, I shook my head to shake the image from my mind. I was determined to go through with this process for our family's sake. Finally, the small group of women who had been in the spirit gallery began leaving the back room. They exited the white door into the main part of the store and chatted with each other. They seemed very content and wandered to the front of the store. Jerome didn't come out for a little while longer. The owner told us that he was preparing the room for a session. I looked at Ginger. How are you doing? Fine, she said calmly. She seemed unfazed by what we were doing. She seemed ready. Look at this. 
Ginger held up a small crystal pyramid with four points sticking out of each side. They were amethyst and other stones. One of the employees at the store told us, if you hold that up to your throat, the energy is crazy. Ginger tried it. Whoa, that's true. I want to try it, I said. I held the crystal pyramid up to my throat and instantly felt a gathering of energy at my throat. Before I could ha have any kind of reaction, Jerome interrupted us. And you're going to have to get the book to find out what happens next. Um, so that's just a little snapshot of what to expect in I Sang Anyway and a little description of, of all the things that I have gone through and some of my healing process. Well, not just you, but obviously your stepdaughter as well. I mean, the whole family seems like, you know, and, and I think this happens with trauma, right? It's not a, a singular occurrence that occurs for one person and doesn't affect everyone else. Everyone in a whole family system is obviously impacted by trauma. Yes. I think what's interesting in your, in your story though, is, you know, the, the conventional Western treatment paradigm, you know, had you, and, and you said you're, stepdaughter was on medications. Um, so she probably had some of that. Um, but the traditional paradigm, you know, might've said something like your daughter is psychotic. She is, uh, she has some sort of brain chemistry imbalance and we need to give her these pills uh, to help her brain get balanced. And sounds like you tried some of that and that wasn't helping necessarily. Yes, that's exactly right. So ginger, and I used, um, I used fake names throughout the book, other than my name to protect the identities of these people. Uh, but Ginger went to a mental health hospital three different times. She was on um, medication. She went through different kinds of therapy. So she did individual therapy, she um, DBT therapy, and she did group therapy. And all of that was helpful, but also we could see that there was more going on than just Western medicine could address. And um, I'm very thankful that I have uh, been going to um, different shamans throughout my time studying spirituality. I really follow um, a shaman who, uh, rest in peace, he passed away this year, but his name is Maladoma Patrice Somme. He wrote The Healing Wisdom of Africa and his book is listed as a resource in my book. Uh, but he really, um, I follow what he believes that there is a power in nature and connecting to nature as a healing tool. And also um, making sure that the person who has experienced trauma, that they feel seen and loved. And so what he recommends is involving the community. So um, it could be that you take the person, let's say it's my stepdaughter, Ginger, and you have her sit down in a chair, bring the friends and family into the room and they surround her and they say all the wonderful, positive things about her because that person in their trauma they're walking around as though that trauma is happening to them all the time, even though it's the past. So they, um, it helps to kind of bring them into the present moment to kind of ground them a little bit so that they can hear, yes, okay, they know that those things happened in the past and you are strong, you are resilient, and you are, are smart or caring or kind, whatever the words would be to describe the person that the light that the community sees in them. And that way they can see that, oh, they can reflect on themselves to say, yes, even though this darkness happened in my life, I have this light still, we all have a dark and a light in us. And sometimes it might take other people to help us recognize that. Or to remember that. Because I think, you know, I work a lot with trauma as well. And when we look through the spiritual lens, which is really what we're talking about at mental illness, at trauma, whatever it is, even a physical illness, we can look through 
the spiritual lens, we often see there's been a disconnection, like a spiritual disconnection from one's own true authentic self, the, the light within, right? It's very yes. easy to get consumed with darkness and sure, and there can be attachments and other kinds of energies also at play, but fundamentally, I think there's this disconnect from self. You must have experienced that yourself. Sounds like your stepdaughter also experienced that. And I think that not only is it easy to get disconnected from your sense of self through trauma, but through um, how often we use different technology, anything that might separate us from the natural world, because we are a part of nature. Nature is a part of us. I mean, everything in, in life, in uh, nature is energy. And so when we uh, spend all of our time, for example, looking at screens, which I spend most of my time looking at screens, like, like most of us do, uh, but it tends to increase our anxiety um, and detract from what we need. Like we, we tend not to check in with our bodies as much as we maybe need to. And mm -hmm. so then I find, for example, if I'm sitting at my desk for a long time, my neck, my shoulders are getting so stiff when it might help for me to put some, get some movement going. Like maybe I can um, spontaneously start dancing or singing or something. And it, it might sound a little bit crazy, but it's not crazy. It is um, getting back to the fact that we were all children at one time. We have an inner child right now and we all need to play some of the time. Yes, well, I fully agree. I think the other important thing to highlight from your story is the, the wisdom of native and traditional uh, healing practices. You know, here in the West, um, we again have been pretty dominant with our kind of Western medical paradigm, but Western medicine in its current form has only really been around a couple hundred years or so. Um, prior to that, you know, if you look at Native American traditions, if you look at, you, you mentioned African traditions, I mean, all around the world, you know, people have been doing um, healings in, in, and including the spiritual in a way that I think um, we have not so much done. We've kind of really moved away from the, the, the origins of that here in the West. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. So as, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in North Dakota and I said in my book that I grew up, um, for example, digging in the garden and I would find arrowheads. So I grew up on land where Native Americans lived before the Free Land Act um, of 1865 when my ancestors came. So yes, I have this ancestral farm where I grew up, but the Native American who live on the Standing Rock Reservation, they, they and others, uh, any uh, Native Americans who are nomadic, they maybe lived there. Uh, so I grew up on Native American land, Lakota, Dakota land. And I think it's important for us to know what is the land that we grew up on, especially as Americans. We were not, unless we're Native American, the first people here. And knowing the history also helps us and going back to our roots. So what I did, uh, and I talked about this um, at the end of my book, but I, it was my goal to go back to my roots, to travel back to North Dakota, because I live in New Hampshire now, just an hour north of Boston. Um, and I traveled back to do a healing ceremony on the land. I did that with permission from a Native American woman. Her name is Janita Kennedy. She gave me permission to use her real name. Um, and I used in the ceremony, I used a song created by a Native American who has a, a, um, Matthew uh, Jadev is his name. He also gave me permission to use his name but he created a song called The Message, which I use sort of like a meditation and he has an Ojibwe background. Uh, so all of these things I use with permission and I am aware of, I don't want to ever be uh, perceived as doing cultural appropriation because I am not 
personally, I'm not Native American, um, but I want to honor their traditions. And I think that this wisdom, it's uh, so ancient and effective that to disregard it would be doing ourselves such a disservice. Like we can use the Western medicine, like you were talking about, and the Eastern medicine. This is a different kind of medicine, but it's still yeah. medicine. Absolutely. And uh, things like song and music and dance and uh, different kinds of sound vibrations, you know, like the bowls and, and whatever, um, there's so many different varieties, right? From around the world, um, those those ceremonies and, and the power of ritual, right? Like yes. how important the the ritual is, the healing ritual that itself is, you know? And then, you know, we some of us can relate to that in the form of like last weekend, you know, I went to the spa and there was like a little ritual around, you know, getting a massage or, or getting like a mud bath or whatever. And we have some sort of rituals, but in general, we really do not honor ritual, I think, in our culture the way others have. And I think we are missing out. We're missing out again on the spiritual component, um, the celebration of, you know, rites of passage, you know, even like non-traumatic things, but, you know, just like life events, you know, they in many other cultures, they are still celebrated in a way that we don't. Um, so I think that just contributes to more of the spiritual disconnection which eventually can lead to mental dis disorders and distress and depression and anxiety and all these different things um, often have a very strong spiritual component to them. That's right. And that's actually something that drew me to witchcraft. So I grew up very Christian. I was paid to memorize Bible verses. I when I was a child, I would rather read the Bible than play in the playground. I mean, I was a very serious, like an old soul uh, from a young age. And when I went through my spiritual journey, even though initially I was very hesitant because I believed what I had been told for so long that, oh, witchcraft is evil. But actually when I looked into it, it's really about a celebration of nature, about honoring mother earth. And going into ritual, like you were talking about, um, so burning a candle and then maybe adding some um, essential oil to the candle and maybe some herbs to represent the earth um, and putting your intention. So it's almost like uh, using a prayer and putting that intention and prayer into that ritual. So yes, you can use witchcraft for negative purposes, like any belief, um, it can, it's a tool, it can be used for what you may call good or you may call bad, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's evil. You can use it for that if you want to, but that's not of interest to me because I believe in karma and I don't, I don't want that ever coming back to me. Uh, but I think it's wonderful to celebrate ritual as much as possible and honor our divine nature because we, we are here for a purpose. And um, when we get distracted by all these other things in life, we forget about that. And that tends to cause anxiety in our lives. Mm -hmm. So when you work with clients in your practice, in your coaching practice, um, your whole, a holistic healing coach, right? Mm -hmm. um, what other kinds of practices are you, or rituals or tools are you using with clients? Like what have you found to be helpful? Again, particularly for people who might be dealing with trauma, depression, anxiety, addiction. So the things we commonly see, the things I commonly see anyways, in my, in my practice. Yeah. So I have two thoughts about that. Um, the first is that, um, as a life coach, I am not licensed to diagnose, although I am, uh, I have received trauma-informed training and I understand how that works, but I, I definitely put that disclaimer up front. So if someone needs therapy, I will refer them or, or tell them, Hey, you should check out this other person or this website. Um, but I, I'm not licensed to diagnose. So it's more of, um, holistic life coaching is more about me acting as a reflection to the other person and 
I am asking them a lot of questions using motivational interviewing, basically. So asking them open-ended questions to help them come to the answer for themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I do is I pull in different elements. So I start out with a guided meditation to really ground the energy, bring it into the present moment and help us to all take a, a deep breath. It helps me to uh, as much as the other person to really come into the mo present moment. And then after we do meditation, I, I leave it up to uh, the person that I'm working with, but at some point in that meeting, it, it would either be right after the meditation or later, depending on how they're feeling. I do an Oracle card or tarot card reading. And I also ask the client to set the intention for our meeting. So I ask them, what do you want to focus on? Because I really want it to be um, fulfilling to them and to steer the meeting in the direction that they're looking for. And then after we've done meditation, maybe pull some Oracle cards, then we start to have a conversation about their goals. And uh, I ask them questions to help them uncover patterns of behavior. Then after we set some goals, I, I ask them questions to basically have them give themselves a homework assignment, or I just have them call it an assignment. It doesn't have to be homework, but, um, but I do that and then schedule every two weeks or however often they would like to schedule to make sure that I am like their accountability partner and just checking in to make sure that they're doing the work because, you know, I can't, I'm sure you experience the same thing that you can't do the work for them. It has to be based on the individual. And I, if they're not willing to do the work, then I, I send you all my love, but I cannot do it for you. <laughs> Yes, really, we have to be responsible for our own healing. And I do see, again, this tendency sometimes for clients to come to us or other practitioners and say, fix me, heal me, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to, I know you're going to do it for me. And um, to me, that's a disempowered stance, you know, to me, it kind of fuels this sort this, this sort of victim consciousness of things happen to me and I have no control over them. I think when people take responsibility for their own healing, not to mm -hmm. get into the wrongness of them or why this happened or anything like that, but more like I have the power, you know, to heal myself. And yes, I can ask for support and get guidance and in and, and all of that. But ultimately I'm the one responsible for my own well-being and making myself happy and whatever. I think that that really shifts things for people and gets them empowered and gets them able to make the changes. If you stay in the disempowered victim kind of position or consciousness, it's a lot harder for people to change. Yeah. That's also why I incorporate Reiki into my sessions. So if the person's not able to meet with me in person, then I will send them distance Reiki. And the great thing, there are a few great things about Reiki, but First of all, if the person is open to receiving it, if they're open to the healing, then they will receive it. It will work. But if they, again, are not taking responsibility for their own healing and they're saying, nope, that's not going to work for me, then they're right. It's not going to work for them. They're not going to experience the openness to the stress reduction and possible pain relief and all the benefits that come with. Reiki. And also as a Reiki master, I really appreciate and enjoy that. It's not that I have all of this uh, magical healing within me. It's more like I am a conduit. I am the connection through the universe with the universal energy to the other person. So as I'm doing the Reiki and sending the healing to the person, it's also passing through me and it's also healing me at the same time, which is wonderful. And I just love that. It's not like I have something better than the person that I'm helping at all. It's more like I'm a connection to the universe for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And you mentioned uh, something that we haven't really explored on the show before, which is the use of tarot cards or oracle cards, many, many different kinds of decks. I, you know, I have some familiarity with this from when I was younger. I was very curious about these modalities and runes and divination systems is sometimes what they're called. Tell us more about these practices and, and how they work and, and how you use them with folks. That would be great. I get so excited when anyone asks me this question. So uh, there are Oracle cards and tarot cards, and I'm, I'm certified in reading both of them. Um, and basically the cards are, again, like a reflection of, the, they're like holding up a mirror to your soul and helping you to see what is the bigger picture? What is the larger meaning? And the way that I approach the Oracle or a tarot cards is I um, take a deep breath, I center, I ground, and then I call upon um, either my angels and spirit guides or the other person's angels and spirit guides. And then I ask for either a message for the greatest good or based on what the client might be asking me, I may have a really tailored question. Now, it's important to know that you can't get a yes or no answer from the Oracle cards. And sometimes the answers are going to be very general. And sometimes that's on purpose. Um, sometimes the, the spirit guides, they, I don't know, they like to like have a little bit of fun and they'll say, you know, the answer let's like, you need to dig a little bit deeper. You don't need us to tell you. <laughs> so, um, and sometimes because I also have mediumship abilities, people's ancestors, um, or family members who have passed on, they may come through, but usually I am hearing from the, the spirit guides or angels. And when I say hearing from for me personally, I don't hear actually hear with my ears. I have more of a knowing, a claircognizance. Everyone um, who is open to working with these abilities, they have a different strength um, as far as a psychic ability and mine is claircognizance. I also sometimes have visions, so that's clairvoyance. And that's how it works for me. If you ask someone else, they may tell you a little bit different version of the story, but that's my experience with the, the Oracle and tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. And we had talked about maybe even having you explore that with us today. Yes. I would love to, it's one of my favorite things to do. So I brought with me my favorite deck. I have been on, uh, multiple podcasts and interviews. I've talked about Rebecca Campbell. She's one of my favorites um, as far as an author and I love her tarot, uh, sorry, Oracle cards. So I brought with me the Starseed Oracle. I, um, I'm going to hold it up and sorry, the virtual background is not helping right now, but okay. the Starseed Oracle, I love the energy of it, uh, of the deck. And I uh, am going to go ahead and pull some cards for a message for the greatest good for anyone listening to this podcast. This message is for you. I, I already asked for uh, spirit to come through me and to bring the message. So I'm going to go ahead and get set up for that. I have the cards in front of me. And I'm going to, if anyone listening um, would like to take some deep breaths just to come into the present moment with your eyes closed. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And just completely coming into the present moment. And I'm going to ask my spirit guides and angels for a message for the greatest good. 
for everyone listening to receive this message. And I'm going to go ahead and shuffle the cards. They're face down. When you're meeting with people in person, do you ever have them pick the cards? Yes. Um, so often when I am meeting with people, I'll have them also place their non-dominant hand on the cards and say their name. And that way their energy is infused into the cards. Yes. And uh, I do offer uh, distance readings. So on my website, rachelmerrill.me, if you go to uh, services, you can click book services. And I would set up a Zoom session for you. So I have the cards in front of me and I like to close my eyes and just feel the energy of the cards. Okay, and... I'm being guided to select four cards. I always go with my intuition um, and you can do all different kinds of fancy spreads, but I tend to go with three or four cards. Okay, so the first card says, the seven star sisters birthing creations tapestry of life expression. And so this card is really about the connection to the divine feminine. And uh, we were talking about the power of community. So uh, reminding anyone listening that you're not alone, that you have the women before you and around you, you're so supported, not just by the earth below you, but by the, um, even if you can't see them, your, the people who have, have passed on, they're here for you and they're giving you their love. So we are, we're all connected and um, to remember the support of the divine energy. Okay, this is interesting. I have not drawn this card before. I use this deck all the time. So this is the Courageous Peony. Multifaceted, unique nature, let yourself be seen. So I think it's a, a wonderful time to draw this card because we are, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, in spring. And the Courageous Peony, it's um, like the blossoming. So maybe you've spent the winter and you've had different um, ideas for something that you would like to do in the future, but really tapping into your unique beauty, your unique uh, your own nature and not worrying about what other people might think of you, not worrying about comparing because every one of us, you know, we are stars that are meant to shine and we, we don't, we shouldn't have to worry about someone outshining us or us outshining someone else. We all have our own unique way of shining and bringing our, our natural self forward. So the next card showed up inverse. So it was, it was basically upside down and it says loosen your grip, coping mechanisms, density, addiction, let God in. So this is showing that there is um, a block and this is probably like a collective consciousness. So in the collective, of course, right now in the world, we have stressful things happening. We have different wars raging. We have different tensions in our own lives and our own families, but a reminder that it's actually going to benefit you to let go of some of that control and allow the universe or God, whatever you believe in to um, work miracles in your life. So I have a good example of this. I've been looking for a different place to live I've been searching frantically for a different place to live. I feel like it's been years now and nothing has worked out. Um, so as much as this message is for everyone else, loosen your grip. Uh, so I finally said, you know what? 
I throw up my hands, universe, I ask you to uh, provide me with a home um, that is even better than I can imagine. And I don't know if it will take a week or a year or 10 years, but at some point when it's meant to be, it will happen. Um, the next card is also upside down or inverse breath of the cosmos, my will to thy will micromanaging the universe, same idea, um, allowing spirit to come through you. So this is where really using nature for your healing and for your daily routine even is so powerful because you can let the universe work through you. You can decide. Um, I, I finally figured out over the past few years that, you know, just like joy is a choice, peace is also a choice. And sometimes you have to consciously choose it over and over again throughout the day. Uh, so just because someone may seem to be like the most calm, collected person, that doesn't mean that they're that way all the time. And it's a reminder that we can come back to the energy that we want. And so that can be like, um, if we're talking about elements of nature, it could be like, if you're connecting, you want to connect to like ether or space using mindfulness and meditation, um, music. If you want to connect to the air, focusing on your breath, that's like the air, um, connecting to the fire, you can, um, ignite your fire, but for good, by stoking your passion, focusing on what you're passionate about or, the other end of the spectrum, if you are seeing your fire rage out of control, or you feel like you're burnt out, calming your fire with the element of water. So for example, taking a salt bath, uh, or just taking a shower, crying in the shower, connecting to water also by, uh, sweating. When you work out, there are different ways to connect to nature, um, connecting to earth by walking barefoot on the ground, so that's called earthing and holding crystals. One of my favorite things to do if I'm starting to feel panicked is I grab some of my crystals. I just take a deep breath, hold on to them. And I remind myself, okay, Rachel, come back to right now, just because this negative thing happened in the past doesn't mean that has to happen again. It's okay to choose something different. So you're constantly choosing your peace. You're choosing your joy. And sometimes I will even lay on my bed and take crystals and just pile them on top of me and breathe and breathing in what you need and exhaling the bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, this is all like just different forms of energy healing, right? That's, yes. that's truly what I think we're talking about. Everything is energy and yes. we're just using different forms of it, especially the natural forms of it, you know, that exist in nature, you know, and our bodies come from nature um, to, to, to invoke healing. And, and I love that. I think it's so key. And again, we've just gotten so far away, even with the earthing, you know, we have these rubber sold shoes and mm -hmm. things that the, like, we're not even connected to earth anymore. You know, our bodies are not directly connecting with the earth most of the time. Right. And it's too bad that if we see someone who's barefoot, we think what's wrong with them. Well, maybe they are just trying to connect to the energy of the earth. I know it depends on the context, right. but, um, Yes. And then the last thing that I want to say about the card reading is that I always make sure to wrap up at the end by saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the messages. If I don't say thank you, I'm definitely going to hear it. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes, sometimes my spirit guides will be like, you didn't say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank them also for sharing that wisdom with us. That was great. Um, and I can see how, you know, I could see what, a what even to like the, the therapy that I do with folks, like what a nice addendum this would be, you know, to work with someone where 
the focus is more on these kinds of practices where I might be working more with some other things, you know, to have that, to, again, the holistic approach. We got to be addressing the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of whatever condition we're dealing with. Yeah, in my perspective, we need to address all four of those if we're really going to fully heal and recover from whatever it is that has occurred that has set us off track, that has created problems in our lives. So yes, exactly. Helping the whole person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Rachel, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Yeah. So um, I invite anyone listening to go to my website, rachelmerrill.me. So that's R-A-C-H-E-L-M-E-R-R-I-L-L.me. And you can find my book there. I Sang Anyway is available on the website. Um, Other places you can find the book, uh, the most popular places are four of them. Amazon, I have five-star reviews on Amazon that you can check out for yourself. You can go to barnesandnoble.com, booksamillion or bam.com. And then also Bookshop. Bookshop is one of my favorites because it helps to support your local bookstores. Uh, So that's where you can find me. Um, Lastly, you can, I do have a shop on Etsy, which just connects you to my services. So if you're not sure where to find it on my website, you can also go to Etsy, just type in Rachel Merrill, it will come up right there and you can book a distance Reiki session or, or a tarot reading, whatever you'd like to do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your story, um, and, and all of this wonderful information with us today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes. And thank you all for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like, subscribe, follow, share, comment, whatever format you find it in so that we can get this information out in the hands of more people so that they too know they're not alone. There are many tools, practices, and communities that can support you in your healing process and for other mental health and other healing professionals to know what a wide variety of wonderful tools there are available to assist your clients. So Thanks so much for everyone, everyone for tuning in. Thanks so much, Rachel. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.